I'm speaking here with uh, composer Brian Tyler, who's by far one of the, the busiest composers working today, doing projects in the Fast and the Furious franchise, uh, Expendables 1 and 2, uh, Final Destination franchise, shows like Terra Nova and Hawaii Five-0, and of course, the highest grossing entertainment entity of all time, uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. Uh, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to talk with me today. Sure, and thanks for that. <laughs> and... and uh, so to start off, I really, I really do love your style, and you're, you know, Thank you're you. a very young composer with a, a lot of classic sensibilities. Uh, what would you, and you've exploded so quickly. What would, you, what would you say is, you know, your, what was your first big break in your career? Um, probably the, the first movie that I s- scored certainly, which, which really wasn't scenes, um, but it got me in, into uh, scoring films, and then uh, kind of one thing led to another. Um, few people heard that score and it led me over to Fox uh, to do some smaller projects in Paramount and then and really the one that kind of um, led to doing studio uh, films that were a little bit larger as opposed to the independent wings was, was Frailty and mm, yeah. um, William Friedkin heard that score so up scoring his film The Hunt which to scoring Timeline and and um, you know, eventually, uh, Fast and Furious and Eagle Eye and all those movies. So, you know, it's kind of a, a, a very fortunate continuum of events that mm. led up to where I am now. And uh, and now this year, you you're responsible for re- uh, rearranging the Universal Studios fanfare, which uh, it seems like such a small task, but you, but it's I think a pretty big task. Did you find that daunting at all? Very. I I mean. I'm, been hearing Jerry Goldsmith's version of it for a long time, and this was the hundred year anniversary of Universal Pictures. So um, it, you know, we we wanted to make it something special, and and I just I idolized Jerry, so it was kind of a, a double whammy, um, and and also just knowing it's going to be on the it's going to be the music for quite some time. They tend to keep you know the logo music for for long periods of time, right? So um, decades, you know, so. So I really wanted to make sure, you know, and, and I wanted to respect what Jerry had done and, and kind of expand from there. But also uh, wrote a suite that was um, uh, the centennial theme that, that is a, uh, a much longer piece. So um, I just felt that it, it made sense to do something in the long form, even though most people will always hear it in the short form mm-hmm. right before a movie starts. Right. And, you, and you're, you're, you're actually performing that really soon, like as a, as a piece, as a concert? Yeah, exactly. It's going to be um, in concert um, on. Uh, let's see here. It's it's on. Yeah, July fourteenth. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it, so the whole thing that'll be the the, the first time it's performed um, since it was recorded live. Yeah. Wow. So how do you how do you take a like where did you you have that little piece of fanfare? Yeah. How do you? What what was your goal with expanding it? Like, where do you go from there? Where do you do you use that? Do you just use it almost like a theme that you build off of, or? Yeah, uh, you know, it's kind of it was. It's not just it's the kind of a simple variation. The idea was that Universal Pictures has been around for a hundred years, mm-hmm. so I, I thought I would kind of um, musically tell the story um, through styles of scoring too, in, in the piece, and it kind of it, you know it starts um, the really early films in the teens and twenties and thirties and. There's just there's a there's a journey there that happens with the music that and then it becomes more modern and then it and then it eventually ends with 
um, a version of the fanfare that's recognizable, you know. Um, uh, but it, it's it's it, it was really intended to be the story of you know um, the evolution of film, especially at Universal. Right. And uh, so, and this summer you have in August you have Expendables two coming out. Right. And uh, you've definitely had a lot of experience with uh, sequels and franchises. And um, and w- what is your goal when you approach a, a sequel in a franchise, whether it be you know Fat, Fast and the Furious or, or Final Destination? You know. Well, you know, it depends whether they're kind of um, standalone films or they're definitely part of a of a series. You know, and. Final Destinations are kind of reboots every time, even though there's this the the death character, you know, um, mm-hmm. and so that that that's a bit different than Expendables, which is really uh, a direct continuation of what had happened in Expendables One. So um, there there I always love being able to you know evolve the the musical language of of anything that I'm working on. It's it's really fun and and um, it, with something like Fast and Furious, you do have, um, you know, you have characters that recur, but you always have new characters, just like in Expendables, and you want to give them new themes, and it's really, um, you know, wanting to challenge yourself and 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 make it uh, better, and um, not just kind of musically, but kind of you know, sonically and yeah. <laughs> and everything, you, you know, it's, it's really, you, you have an, an obvious um, uh, comparison right there. So it's, you know, just trying to outdo yourself a little bit and, and you know, there's there's some really cool new characters in Expendables too, so mm-hmm. music goes right along with it. And, and I mean, that's, you know, that's a, a franchise that you started. You I mean, you did the first Expendables. Right. But h- how was it taking over, you know, for Final Destination, which was started by the great Shirley Walker? Sure. And, and I mean, that must have been kind of uh, oh, yeah. a big, you know, heavy, heavy thing to, t- you know, to take over into your hands. I mean, did you try to pay as much respect to her music as you could? Yeah, you know, especially on Final Des- the Final Destination, which was the fourth. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was a lot of usage of the Shirley Walker themes. Um, and then in the fifth one, um, there was a there was uh, there was a kind of shift in in the the tone, um, uh, and it still harkened back at certain times because of the way the story connects to the original Final Destination. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know uh, there was there was a lot more new music. Um, but yeah, it's always daunting, and, and I love those yeah those scores, the original scores, just like when I did Rambo, you know. Right. Um, there's another thing with Jerry Goldsmith that I loved his his three scores for those films. So I wanted to use kind of you know use his themes, but also you you really want to bring something to the table as well to, that's specific to the the story, just like he would in each sub- subsequent film. There's in uh, in um, you know First Blood Part Two. There was certainly a bunch of new really great themes. Um, that uh, that happened, and, and you see that, and in, um, in a way, regardless of whether or not I scored the first one or not, you always want to kind of continue that mm-hmm. tradition in the way in the way that you want it to be. That in the sequels, there's themes that are recognizable enough that people forget that they weren't in the first one. Kind of like the the Imperial March uh, syndrome, you know, yeah, where yeah. everyone thinks it was well, not everyone, but, but <laughs> the, most people recognize that as Star Wars, even though it's not in Star Wars. So. Um, you know, uh, with with any of these, especially like Expendables 2, it's kind of like you want to treat it like Empire Strikes Back. Right. 
Well, in your opinion, what do you think makes a bad sequel score? Um, well, a bad sequel score. Um, I, I would say, um, you know what? I have no idea. I guess it's just it's worse. <laughs> That's the obvious answer. Um, yeah, I mean, just kind of, you know, not trying to expand anything. And, and um, I mean, it does happen. You know, yeah. you, you end up with scores that don't really up the ante sometimes on the second one. And so, yeah, you have to, you have to work hard at it to really challenge yourself to make it fresh and new. Mm-hmm. And uh, so now kind of shifting over to TV, which is a totally different beast altogether. And, you know, when, yep. you, when you work on a, a series like Terra Nova, Hawaii Five-0, uh, which are, I mean, they're a little bit different in structure, too. Do you, do you ever have the knowledge of the entire season arc, uh, you know, where the writers are taking it? Or you, so, I mean, do you, have yeah. the, do you have the chance to kind of, kind of know where you're going? Or do you kind of work in the moment and work at the, one episode at a time, you know, type deal? Uh, you, you, you have... It depends. Uh, sometimes you have a general arc, uh, and then you maybe know about five stories mm-hmm. ahead um, where you're at. Um, and you want to know as much as you can, because that's how I'm used to writing in film. Right. So, yeah. Uh, but it definitely depends. Um, and sometimes things change, you know, as you're, as you're cruising along. But, but I, I do like to establish certain things um, uh, in a way that's set up later revelations in a story. So I always want to know as much as I can. And, and unfortunately, I'm, I mean, it, it's, it's cool. I, I get um, scripts sent, and yeah. it, usually it's pretty close, you know, at least in the broad strokes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you, I mean, you also do, you do animated series like Transformers uh, Prime, uh, what's, sure. what's the typical turnaround for an episode on of that show, and how early do you start work on work on that? Um, well, those you know, like Terra Nova, anything that has a lot of either special effects or it requires a lot of um, CG, uh, you you get quite a bit of lead time, yeah. which is why those two shows are completely orchestral, mm-hmm. um, and and you, you're able to stay ahead of the curve and conduct the orchestra and get everything recorded in time. Um, and, uh, the nature of Hawaii Five-0 is a little bit different, um, but it's, it's more, it's, it's, it's a lot of live playing, but it's, it's more ensemble played in the studio, a lot of percussion and Hawaiian instruments and then some programming and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're all different beasts. And I think it works out that that just happens to be that the ones that have the longer lead time are the ones that need the longer lead time. So in a sense, that's just some, uh, some luck. <laughs> yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. what's uh, about like I've heard like some like crazy stuff about like scheduling schedule stuff on on TV. Like how how much sleep do you usually get when you're in the in the heat of of, of a TV season? Right. Um, <laughs> it it's not. I mean, <laughs> I I pretty much I I never really have slept a lot. Um, I I, I enjoy it, but uh, <laughs> you know I like I love working and I love composing. So you know I sometimes. I don't. I I get to bed pretty late anyway, um, and and the way I space it out, everything just kind of um, is able to fit into the schedule. It doesn't. It's never really been a problem. And, um, and for uh, Terra Nova, uh, you know, and what was your emotional response when you heard you know the show got canceled? It was such a big, big show, which uh, you know, big expectations and people. Yeah, you, you know, yeah. such a core following. I mean, are you able to move past something like that quickly? I mean, or do you reflect on what, a could, have, what could have been and you know, where you wanted to go musically? 
Yeah, exactly. And and I loved it. Um, I loved doing it. And you establish a really great, um, you know, team around you. Everyone from the 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 direct musical and engineering team to the people that make the film um, to make to make the show, and then the musicians and everyone. So um, it is a bummer because um, it was it was a blast to do, and I think we could have really run with it. I know the show is expensive, um, uh, and certainly. The the ratings, um, you know, they at times they could have been better, but it was one of the more highly rated shows to ever be canceled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, which is which is kind of one of those bummers, you know, where you, you know, it, but it's you not know, look. You got dinosaurs, and it's filmed in a tough location, and it's got a zillion cast members, and you know, so it does. It's it's a business, and it happens, but you know, it, it, it is a bummer. You just have to like you know move on, and and. Um, it's one of those things, you know, um, and uh, hopefully, you know, that team that made the show will be back and doing something else soon. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I hope so. There was you know, a lot of talent behind the show. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you got Star Trek creators, you got Spielberg, you got this this great team, you know. Yeah. So it was a cool, it was a cool thing. Um, so kind of jump back to film. Uh, you, you, you've worked with a lot of uh, directors and you've established a lot of collaborations. Um since I, again, I'm not a musician, I actually come from you know writing and the production kind of side. But music is my personal inspiration. Well, when you're working with a director, what what is an import? What are important characteristics for a director to have to have a, a really great working relationship with a composer? I think they just you know that they're just honest about what they want and that they really want to express to me what they want out of their film. You know, mm-hmm. the, after that, I can kind of I can run with it, but it. Um, um, you, you can't, you could be, a, micromanagement is, is a tough thing, you know, um, uh, you need a little breathing room to be able to do well, uh, in terms of compositionally, I think just also from an inspiration standpoint, but you do want to kind of get inside their head, how they see the film is really important, so, um, if they're able to express that, it's great, also, I mean, another great characteristic is just being a good person, you know, you want to be able to hang, hang out with them because you do spend a lot of time with the director. Right. And, and I, I just, I've been fortunate that, that a lot of these directors have become good friends of mine and, um, you know, outside of working on films and that counts for a lot for sure. It makes, right, right. it makes, it makes life, um, enjoyable, you know, that's the other, the other key here. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And I do have to ask you, um, do you ever come to work in sweatpants and a t-shirt? Because you're definitely probably the best dress composer in, in Hollywood. Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> dress and t-shirt. Oh, well, may, uh, pretty much my daily my daily thing is like, you know, maybe jeans and a t-shirt. Because <laughs> I, feel, I feel like every picture I've ever seen of you is like so sharply dressed <laughs> for a composer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's like... Um, Let's see here. It's uh, going back. Yeah, like you know, it's funny because it's different when I conduct and versus when I'm in the studio. Like, uh-huh. um, you know, I kind of um, what you'll notice if I'm in the studio, it's usually I'm wearing a a, a t-shirt uh, of some sort, um, and then and you know somehow when I get in front of the orchestra, I feel like um, it's, it's time to throw on a button down. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's real casual around my studio, and I got I've got a basketball court right out in the in the front, so it's often you know it's the shorts and the t-shirt, and go out and do shoot around, and then come back in and 
and write some more. So yeah, that's, that's, that's good to know. <laughs> stay, please be staying comfortable. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and to uh, and to and to close out, I always like to to ask composers um, if you had the chance to score any movie ever made with no disrespect to the original composer, uh, what movie would you choose? To, re- to rescore a film? Or just to score, not to rescore. Not to, I'm not trying to give the impression of replacing the score, but if you, a movie that you love that you would love to take a chance at with no disrespect you know, to whoever Oh, I see. So ignoring that there already is a score in place. Right. Like, the, the, just say it was made today or something right, like that. Right, right, yeah. Oh, man. Um... Oh, I'll, I'll go with Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, that, that's a good choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice canvas. It's a nice canvas for music. Yeah, that'd be really that'd be a blast. Is that? I mean, is that one of your <laughs> kind of uh, dream projects? Kind of a big sweeping, you know, romantic epic like that. Hello. 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 Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. I oh, got cut out. Uh, cut off there. Um, but I mean, is that you know? having a big romantic uh epic sweeping setting is that a is that like a composer's uh dreamland <laughs> well it, you know i there's so many different cool things to i mean that's awesome um doing science fiction can be fun in its own sense doing espionage thrillers is great doing you know mystery I, th- there's so many different angles that i think the key is just moving around and uh and going from one style of film to another is is um, makes it a lot of fun, which I really seek out. You know, you know so. and you do. I mean, you're you do. Do you do change it up a lot? I do like because uh, I love your score to Break. By the way, it was very oh, thanks. Very small, very kind of meticulous and precise. You know, a lot of precision in that versus you know a lot what, of claustrophobia. Yeah, in that yeah, one. yeah. Versus what we're used to, I guess, hearing from you, which are these you know sure. propulsive action scores. Um, well, are we? Ever going to hear a romantic comedy by Brian oh, Tyler? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think he will. I think that the um, I, I I I do enjoy that, and and a bit, I've I have done a a couple of them, but um, they're not very well known. But yeah, at some some point, I think that um, it would be nice to do one that people see. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well. That's uh, that's pretty much all the questions I have for you. Uh, I, okay. Uh, thank you again so much. Sure. I know you're super busy. Um, and uh, oh, I, I was going to ask you because I remember we tried to set this up last yeah. week, and you said that you had a a sync problem with uh, Expendables two. Could you maybe describe to people what like what like, just ex- explain a problem that you kind of encounter in your everyday? Yeah, you know, work? Uh, something that that happens sometimes where you record. Um, you record a bunch of instruments, which this is the case in this one cue. Um, I recorded a bunch of percussion and things in my studio, some some piano, and uh, then we recorded the orchestra, and then it was mixed and then put together, and then I was going through and doing my review of the of of everything, and it just it for some reason, um, as it turns out, it was something simple. It was just the orchestra was ahead by uh, an eighth note. And and you're just listening to it, going, "Wow, this sounds so weird." You know, <laughs> you can't quite figure out because this is percussion and it wasn't melodic. You know, um, mm-hmm. so you end up with this kind of like groovy, strange, out of sync thing. And at first, you just you, it's it's hard to tell, and then you just tinker around with it, and eventually, you just find that somehow, when it was recorded, it was just done slightly. Um, it was done an eighth note out of wax. So, um, it. it, it 
it, it's it's always a an, it's like a easy solution in the end, um, but uh, it's it can it can require some searching <laughs> you yeah. know, to get to that easy solution. It's like it's like watching it. You know, illusionist or mad, you know, magic trick, and once you find it out, you're like, "Oh, that was so easy!" But you, you know, spend you need to spend forever trying to figure it out. So, right. yeah. <laughs> well, uh, thanks so much for sharing, and thanks for sure. thanks for the time, and hopefully, we get to uh, do it again sometime. But good Great luck, show. Good All luck. right, man. Good luck with, with everything, and uh, you know, the, the concert coming up. But uh, and yeah, keep keep the good work up. I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'll I'll, I'll give them the best. All right, thanks. <laughs> All right, man. Bye. Thanks. See ya. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.